You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. One of the big benefits of buy and hold real estate investing is the protection you get from insurance policies. But so many of us have no idea what's actually in our policy or if we did it right. And you don't want to find out that you're not covered if you've got to file a claim. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Our guests today are Lee Rogers, the president of Real Protect, and Taylor Stowe, who's been the Real Protect representative for Real Wealth members with questions. And they're here today to give us some insights on what to look for when getting your insurance. Well, Taylor and Lee, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. So let's start with uh, what you do and how you've been able to help investors protect their their properties. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Kathy. Of course, we're Real Protect. We're an insurance provider. So we work in providing insurance for, for investors. We work with investors really all over the country, really all over the world. We have clients in about 14 different uh, countries around the around the globe, and we insure uh, U.S. investment residential real estate, and that's all that we do, and that's what we're good at. Um, we work with investors that are seasoned, and we work with investors that are brand new, and what we like to do is to take them through, uh, through the process and help answer questions and make the insurance buying process for those investors as easy as possible. Uh, so you know, we have Taylor Stowe's on the call with us and on the pod here today with us as well. And Taylor works with a lot of real wealth uh, clients and um, answers those questions, quotes their insurance, looks at different scenarios, explains the different what different terms mean because a lot of folks uh, have insurance, but they may not understand the differences in investment insurance and their homeowner's policy or their business owner's policy. And so we like to really break it down and explain that and provide some good education as well as a, a great product. I'm so glad because it's as investors, we're so busy just trying to close the property, let alone understand the insurance that we're signing up for. And we've had members who just didn't know which box to click and, uh, and, and check to make sure that they're really covered in things like named storms. For example, if you're going to buy a property in Houston or an area that's known to to have hurricanes, what uh, what's a named storm? What does that mean? And why should you have that as an investor? Yeah, exactly. And so so yeah, a named storm is just that too. And they've started not only naming the big wind storms that come along in, in certain times of the year, but they also now name uh, certain winter storms. And so um, there, there are there are definitely some things that you need to look out for when you're when you're considering insurance and what what you're looking to buy. Uh, I've, I've got a saying that, and I've used it in some other uh, educational materials we've done uh, with you guys, and that is your insurance can be really cheap on the front end or really cheap on the back end, and you don't you definitely don't want it to be um, cheap on the back end. And a lot of folks unfortunately find out um, during a claim that may not be covered exactly how strong their insurance policy is. So a named windstorm, typically as it pertains to an insurance policy, is going to be one of those storms that's that comes along during wind season. And, and typically that, that season runs from June through about the end of November. Uh, and there's going to be uh, storms that come up through the Gulf of Mexico or up the eastern seaboard, typically where there's going to be um, where where that storm earns the right to, to a name, so to speak, as a tropical 
depression or a tropical storm, and then uh, eventually a hurricane. And so certain insurance companies will say, hey, we're going to cover you for wind, but not for named wind storms. And so we want to always make sure that the policies that are put in place, or if you're looking at insurance, that those named wind storms are also covered during that uh, situation. There's for sure. I mean, why would your aid? Why wouldn't your agent advise you to do that? Because the the named storms are going to be the big ones, the ones exactly. that you're really going to want the coverage for. Why, why wouldn't that be pointed out to, to an investor? Yeah, well, sometimes, uh, unfortunately, there are unscrupulous people in, in all forms of business, but sometimes in the insurance business, uh, there, there may be a situation where that agent wants to get the sale. It could be a situation where the agent just doesn't know. Uh, there's a lot of agents that, that work uh, in certain areas and if they're not local to that area or really understand that market, they may not even understand that named windstorms may not be covered. And so Real Protect is a specialist uh, that works really in all 50 states and, and that, that works with real estate investors exclusively. We always make sure that we are providing coverage that's going to be the most comprehensive that's available. All the policies we sell, for the most part, are going to include named windstorm and aren't going to exclude those things. But there are certain things in any insurance policy that are covered and certain things that aren't covered. So it's really important that, that that you as an investor have a policy, understand what's covered, understand what's not covered, and uh, is it important to you to be covered? And if it is, what's it going to cost to insure? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm heartbroken that uh, actually one of our own Real Wealth employees had a, a horrible situation where their basement was flooded. Uh, they didn't the property manager didn't act quickly enough and the, the tenant didn't really know. And it caused mold. It caused yeah. mold in the house. And, um, and then the, the person she hired again, this was all kind of outside of our network, but the, the contractor she, she hired just, just tore the place apart to get the, the mold out. There yeah. were probably other ways to, to remediate it, but uh, they just tore it out. And this is costing her like 60 or $70,000 when the property she paid for was like 60,000. Yeah. So back, back in the day um, and her insurance did not cover it for yeah. mold. Now uh, is that typical or, you know, what should investors look for when it comes to mold? Yeah. In, 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 in mold is, you know, every policy is going to handle that differently. Sometimes that policy, sometimes the policy will have a specific mold exclusion. Uh, most of the time, a policy will include some uh, sublimit for mold. Some some carriers will, will cover like five or $10,000. Uh, you can sometimes increase that coverage up to fifteen dollars or $25,000. The insurance industry, as it relates to mold, has really pulled back over the historically over the last 15 or 20 years. It used to be one of those things that was covered fully, and then the insurance industry began to have significant losses related to mold. And so now, uh, most carriers will offer some sort of sublimit for mold and mold remediation. The important thing is to pick up any coverage that, that acts as a coverage trigger because a lot of times, too, if you do have a coverage trigger, then you have also what's called loss of rental income coverage that may kick in. So some other things that would, would help an investor in a mold situation. But anytime water is involved, um, it is definitely um, a it can be a very expensive situation. And it's one of those things that's very important from a risk management perspective to get to get addressed quickly and correctly by hiring, you know, licensed remediator, remediation companies and folks that really know what they're doing. Absolutely. And it's, 
It's also important, too, if you do have a loss that's involving water, that you make sure your property management company documents what they're doing when they're cleaning it up, you know, whether it's dehumidifiers or fans or anything like that, really documenting what you have done to prevent the mold from grow, from ever growing in the first place. Mm. Well, that's a, you bring up a really great point. What kinds of things should uh, landlords be doing to make sure that the insurance, you know, first of all, that these problems don't happen, but that, uh, and if they do, that insurance will cover it because you've tried to take care of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, what we try to at real protect, what we try to, to be is not only, we try not, to, not only to provide the insurance product, but we also try to provide risk management and sound advice, right? Because the best way to not have a bad claim experience is to not have a claim in the first place. Mm-hmm. So what we really want to do is to make sure, and we found that there's been a direct correlation with good property management practices uh, and, try, and, and less severe claims or a fewer number of claims where we have good solid property management in place. And so whether or not um, you are self-managing your properties or hiring a third party, you want to make sure that that property management agreement uh, is a strong one that can be written in your favor as the investor, but also that property manager is going to do things like screen tenants. They're going to perform regular maintenance of the property. They're going to do inspections. They're going to have checklists. They're going to do all the things that they can do to protect your property. And when they do those things, we find that we have fewer claims. We have we find that we have you know, shorter vacancy periods. And we have a tremendous number of claims that occur during a vacancy period. 39% of our claims occur in vacant houses. So what are those procedures around vacant houses? How are they switching locks? How are they locking uh, and securing the premises. Just all those things contribute to um, really better returns and not having to use insurance. Um, and I would encourage folks, too, not to view their insurance policy necessarily as a maintenance policy, but more as a catastrophic event-type policy. And with good property management, a lot of times you can definitely, um, definitely have the best of both worlds. And I also think, too, just to add on what Lee's saying, is just being upfront with your insurance agent. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm buying properties. This is, you know, are you going to do any work to the property? Just kind of give us a good picture of what we're insuring. And that way we can pick out the risk and say, well, have you thought about this or have you done this? And that's just an easy way to get the conversation going. And, you know, when we're quoting something, we're quoting it like you want it because there are options. And it didn't, you know, oh, to insure the house, you do it this way way, you do have options when you're buying insurance. So us presenting those options and letting you know what your options are is is our job. And without knowing exactly what you're doing, sometimes people think that, oh, it's I'm, I'm a real estate investor, so I just need a landlord policy. Well, there's some things in there, especially for the larger investors or as your portfolio is growing, you have some options to to, that you should be aware of um, when you're pricing out insurance or, or looking for coverage for insurance. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly it. People are rushed usually uh, when you know buying an investment property, just trying to get it closed, and maybe don't know how to read the documents. One thing that's like you said, it's important to understand is that not every problem with your property would be a claim, right? So if there's a, a I don't know, a leak under the sink and you have to 
you know, replace something that costs a few thousand dollars, that would not be a good example of uh, putting in a claim. So what would be? When, when is it a good idea to, to turn that claim in and try to get it covered? Sure. Yeah, well, you know, when that little leak becomes a sudden accidental and, and a large leak, right, that, that causes a lot of damage, that those are the types of things. And it really depends as well on uh, your scale as an investor. If you're just getting started and you had a, a claim that was going to cost five or $10,000, you know, that may rise to your personal level of where you need to you need to file a claim because it could be really devastating for you not to um, not to not to have that covered or not to have that turned into the insurance company. So each situation is going to be a little different. What you do have to understand, though, as an investor, when you do have a situation, is the first thing you want to do is go and look at what your policy deductible is. Right. So if you've got a three thousand dollar claim and you've got a $2,500 deductible, that's probably, you know, not going to be worth turning in. But if you've got a $2,500 deductible and it's going to cost fifteen dollars or $25,000, and that's definitely one of those things you probably want to turn into your insurance company. There's not going to be um, enough time if you're only going to own one or two properties for you to ever make that up by not turning that claim in. So there's definitely, um, each situation is going to be just a little bit different and it depends what we're seeing right now kathy is that the shortage of labor and the in building materials and the increased cost in building materials is really leading to things that were used to not be major claims they're turning into major claims and so um those are the types of situations that um that are that that are leading to you know a lot more claims activity than we probably used to see just because of those facts and the other part of insurance a lot of folks you know when they think of insurance they think of oh the fire or the water leak but they also need to understand uh, and really pay attention to what their liability coverage is liability is if somebody has uh, bodily injury or property damage on that property and you as the landlord get sued that liability policy is what's going to step in and defend you. Even if you're not liable and you get, if you do get brought into an action, that liability coverage is really, really important so that you have uh, defense representation. And it may be something that goes through the system and gets thrown out. But those types of uh, claims you don't want to ignore. You want to get those turned into your insurance company. And you want to get a good defense established day one. We're seeing a ton of liability claims come across our desk these days. Really? What what kinds of things? We're getting a lot of slip and fall claims. Um, we and, and we always get those. We get a lot of uh, animal uh, bite claims. So if you are a landlord and you you allow animals, make sure you've got a good pet addendum. Again, that's not an insurance policy thing necessarily, uh, but that's risk management, right? You want to shift that liability back to that property owner. Um, you want to make sure that you're. Um, Tenant has good renter's insurance in those situations because it's not your dog, but if you're allowing that dog to be on the property and it causes a bodily injury to someone, then you want to make sure that you've got good liability uh, in place and a good risk management um, behind the scenes to support that. We see claims involving, um, we'll see some claims involving um, things like uh, wind coverage where you may own a, own a property and you have a tree that falls onto somebody else's property that may be dead. Trees are a, bi are a big thing that uh, there's a lot of misconceptions around those claims. Um, we see a lot of um, bodily injuries that occur on a premise, uh, especially the rise of the short-term rentals. So if you're doing short-term short rental, 
you want to make sure that your liability will cover you for a short-term rental. Uh, that's one of those things, like Taylor mentioned earlier, you want to disclose to your agent. A lot of short-term rentals have, belt, you know, have the toys. They may have a swimming pool or a spa. So you want to make sure that your liability covers you in the event somebody's injured. God forbid somebody uh, is injured and drowns in a, um, in, a, in, a, uh, in a swimming pool. Those are the types of things where you may not be liable, but you're going to get sued. And you've got to make sure you've got liability coverage that will respond. How much do you recommend? Well, the typical policy that we sell is uh, is going to give you a million dollars per occurrence. Uh, we always uh, really encourage investors to, to consider what's called excess liability or an umbrella liability policy. Um, the other thing too is that you want to make sure is that you have your your coverage structured in the correct way. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of investors that will form LLCs or entities to own properties, yet they'll insure the property in their personal names, and they may not ever have that LLC or entity listed anywhere on their insurance. Well, in that situation, that insurance company is not obligated to, to cover you necessarily. It depends on their definition of who's an insured, especially if you're using a corporation or an LLC to own your properties. So you really want to make sure that you've got that really buttoned up and that, that ownership entity matches your insurance policy or is at least listed on your insurance policy. And then what we recommend, I mean, this is not a, a, a smart aleck answer, but as much as you really can afford, right? Because as litigious as we are in this society today, it's not overly expensive sometimes to, to purchase excess liability or an umbrella liability policy, using those terms interchangeably. Uh, you know, a $2 million policy for uh, per year for a basket of properties, maybe 10 properties, would probably cost around $800 to $1,000. So it's really not that expensive to pick up several extra million dollars of coverage for your life, uh, for your, to protect yourself in a liability situation. Uh, usually there's no deductible with liability insurance as well. So you're gonna pick up coverage dollar one. Um, so it, it's one of those things that's really not often talked about because when folks think about insurance claims, they think about the house burning down and not necessarily um, all the other stuff that comes along with, with owning rental properties. So what are the main differences between a landlord policy versus just a regular homeowner's insurance policy? Yeah. A homeowner's policy, um, when, you, when you hear that term to an insurance person, that means that it's an owner-occupied home, right? And that means that you as the, but as, the, as the property owner, that is your primary home or a secondary home that you're not using, using to lease out to other people. Uh, you're going to pick up things for like your personal property coverage, personal liability, loss of use as it relates to your main home and that sort of thing. But there are some insurance companies that want, once you say, hey, once you've moved out of that home and you start renting that property to someone else, if you don't change your insurance from a homeowner's to a, to a landlord policy, then that coverage can become null and void. So you want to make sure that if your use of a house and the way you've insured it has changed, that your insurance catches up to that as well. Okay, and finally, uh, what red flag should you look for when you're getting a quote? Sure, you want to make sure um, there's several things, right, that you definitely want to look for. The first thing I would say is, and it's kind of a hot topic today, is what's that insured value going to be, right? And what type of flexibility does your insurance carrier or provider have in, in quoting that property? As I mentioned earlier, we've seen a, ton, a, a really a, a large increase in insured values uh, over the last several months, especially as it relates to the cost of replacing a home. And so 
is that coverage that you're being quoted enough coverage to rebuild the home? Um, that's that's one thing. But number two is going to be the perils that you have covered. So most of the policies that we sell are what are called special perils policies. Special perils is is the highest and best uh, type of peril that you can buy. A lot of times you'll see a, a broad form or a basic form, basic being the, the least amount of things that are covered under the policy and very specific on what's covered. If it's not listed, it's not covered. So a lot of times agents will, will quote a basic policy that may be less expensive, but in the event that you have a claim, things may not be covered. One of the things that's really that's not always covered in a basic policy is frozen pipes. And we see a lot of that depending on the part of the country. And so there's certain things that you want to make sure. The other thing is coinsurance. Uh, coinsurance is a really, we could do a whole podcast on coinsurance. It would bore all of your listeners and watchers and viewers to tears. But, but if you have a policy with coinsurance, you can have some significant reduction in a claim payment. So know that if you see 80 or 90 or 100% coinsurance, that would be something sometimes that you'd want to ask questions about. Most of the policies that we put in place are going to have coinsurance waived, which is very much in the favor of you as an investor. Oh, very good to know. Okay, well, you guys did a, a full webinar that uh, went into more details. Uh, you did that for Real Wealth, and that's free for our members, and it's free to join. So people can go to realwealth.com and just uh, look under the Learn tab to find that webinar. We really appreciate it because even after all these years in, uh, in real estate, I, it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming to understand the policies, and they change. They change all the time, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the big things that was not necessarily as it relates to real estate investors, but a little bit was uh, with with the advent of COVID a few years ago, a lot of carriers were really tightened up their definitions of um, bacteria and uh, viruses not being covered under a policy because there could have been some gray area at some of that point. Typically, it's always been excluded, but really tightened up that lane. So, as world events occur, the insurance industry is going to do what it has to do to protect itself with the understanding that, you know, I would say this about claims because we've talked a, little, a good bit about it. You know, insurance carriers are going to always try to underwrite to a profit. They're in business to do that, right? But, but I will tell you that the insurance companies that we work with, when you have a claim, an insurance policy is a contract. It's a contract between the policy owner and the insurance company. And we as Real, Real Protect, we're a national broker and we try to match insurance companies and insurance and, and property owners together. But the carriers that we work with, they want to pay those claims and they want to pay them as quickly as possible. If there's coverage and they can find coverage in that policy, they want to get you as a property owner paid and they want to get you happy and they want to move on to the next claim because I promise they have another claim right behind yours. <laughs> um, and so carriers these days are not trying to Pick a fight, typically, but if it's covered, they want to pay it, and if not, um, then there's going to typically be a contractual reason why that claim may or may not be covered. So then you really should be checking in with your insurance provider every year, it sounds like, to make sure that you're really covered with the changes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, we understand that premium is a very, very important aspect of buying decisions. Folks want to have inexpensive premiums but they don't want to have an expensive insurance. And unfortunately, most folks get an insurance education when they have a claim and it may or may not be covered. That's when they really learn about insurance and it becomes 
a real tangible thing because otherwise it's just a piece of paper and an expense. Yeah. And so it becomes a very tangible thing when you have a claim and especially a claim that may not be covered how you thought it was. Good stuff. All right. Well, Taylor and Lee, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Taylor, did you have any last comments you wanted to make? No, I just I appreciate you inviting us on here and let me let us come on and, and talk insurance. And, and we're happy to talk with any of your investors, like you said, uh, or any of your members. Um, all my contact information is located on the website. So just pull up the Real Protect link and contact me and we can dive deep into any of these topics if uh, you have more questions. So thank you, Kathy, for inviting us on here. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Again, just go to realwealthshow.com and click on the Learn tab and you'll get access to their webinar that's really thorough and will help you in filling out that insurance policy form. And also you'll get access to hundreds of other webinars all free and it's free to join. So why wouldn't you? Again, that's realwealthshow.com. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.